Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is JJ Hernandez. And joining us on the show today is the one and only Ben Stark out of Palm Beach, Florida. What's going on, man? How are you today? How are you? Good, sir. Have a pleasure to be here. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you here, man. It's a great Monday over here in New York. And look, we're ready to dive into it. Are you ready? <laughs> I am born ready, bro. Let's go. Let's go. Look, we're excited to have you on. And before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you have going on at your facility, you know, uh, first tell us a little about how you describe your business to people and what made you get started in the first place? Um, American Top Team Palm Beach Gardens, also known as ATT PBG is a family mixed martial arts school. Uh, we take students starting at four years old, all the way up through adults. Uh, we are primarily an evening focused uh, gym. We don't have that much going on in the morning, but our evenings are banging. Um, we work with everyone, you know, as I said, kids, their parents, random uncles, your average 20 somethings. We've got hobbyists, youth competitors, and professional fighters all in the same room. Yeah. I love it. I love the versatility there, Ben. And, and let me ask you this, Ben. So as a member um, of American Top Team, you know, I, I know you guys offer a, a bunch of different avenues, right? So what options of fighting or, or what options of classes, whatever you want to call them, would I have to choose from as a member? So you get a lot of options. Um, the upside to versatility is that you can get more people in. The downside is it's harder to focus because there's a lot more, you know, mixing but we offer brazilian jiu-jitsu submission grappling also known as nogi or nogi jiu-jitsu uh olympic style wrestling we have a uh, olympian abto gogolishvili he's a four-time ussr champion three-time sibili mountain range champion this is like the hardest wrestling tournaments in the world he took fourth in the olympics he runs a, a freestyle wrestling um boxing muay thai clinching mma the whole shebang uh there's a lot going on in there. So yeah. if you have interests, we can most likely get a good foothold in whatever it is you're interested in. Yeah, I think there's everything for everybody. So that's awesome there. And, uh, and how many members are you guys at currently? We're right around the 150 mark right now. Gotcha, Ben. And, and so, so again, I'll use myself as avatar again. So if I came in and I'll, I'm ready to go, I want to sign up right now. You know, what would I have to pay to get in, to get started? So your first day is always free. Try it out. Make sure it's something you want to invest some time in. From there, I steer everyone to our five-week uh, paid trial. It gives you unlimited access to the gym for those five weeks. You can try all the classes, mix up the times, see what really works for you, which is my whole plan. I try actually not to sign people up directly because yeah. I'm not a fan of hard sales. So, I, I hey, this is a no-commitment option. You can train with us for over a month. By week three, if you're not begging me to join, I've done something wrong, you know? So I like using that avenue. It also makes them picking their, their program and their pricing tier very easy because they've already been in and they figured out the schedule that's going to work for them. So when I hit them, like we got three programs, beginner, which is two classes a week, elite, which is unlimited grappling or unlimited striking with no crossing over or our ultimate program, which gives you access to everything. And it's the only program where you can really train MMA. So for the people that are coming in after those five weeks, and to be honest, normally three to four weeks, like 
they go, okay, I'm in, I want to do unlimited grappling. What are our price points? And, you know, they just pick from there and go. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think the fact that you, it just goes to show one, that you're, you're, you're open enough to, to give them the freedom to be like, Hey, this is you, like, this is the trust that I'm instilling into you. So you better trust me. And also the value, man. I mean, no one gives that much value out of the jump. I mean, that's awesome. I'm literally almost, I think unheard of, at least on my end. I think that's great. That's great. And it obviously seems to be working for you at 150. So, (laughs) So, you know, and uh, all right. So let me ask you this to you, Ben. So for you, I mean, obviously I, I always varies. I'm always curious to see just based on obviously like, you know, town size, population, and all this stuff, it could range, but for you and, and where you're at now, how, what's been the best method for you guys to acquire new clients or to find new clients? I'm sorry. Um, so I ran into a lot of really weird issues when I first opened. So all of my mentors in the business told me the same thing. Kids, 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 more kids, more kids, more kids. And for me, that was frightening because I came from being an international fight coach. You know, I lived in Thailand for three and a half years. I lived in Germany. I taught in Finland and England, just being brought out for specifics, whether it's seminars or to like move there for years at a time. And I never dealt with children. I dealt with professional competitors. You know what I mean? So when I got all this news, like kids, 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 I understood that's where a lot of the money was, but it wasn't an area that I was comfortable. I literally used to sit in my car before the the gym would open and call my girlfriend, now wife, and be like, what am I going to do with a four-year-old? I don't know how to deal with a four-year-old because I'm used to like, what'd you say? On your belly, pound your face, get to work. Like, you can't do that. Surprisingly, no, parents love that. Love that. I unbelievable, but you know, what happened was I spent so much time focusing on kids and I was just getting adults. So like at this moment, I have 110 adults and 40 kids, which is completely backwards for the martial arts business. Yeah. I'm not complaining. I'm I'm super happy. You know, (laughs) that just means I can get 110 kids and now I got 220 people. And we're good, you know? Uh, so, and, and that side that. of my business is, has what's recently been growing the most. So that's cool. But we started off, I, I hire marketing companies, agencies. I'm putting, some of them are really cool. They're like, look, I'll work for you for free for this month. Give me $500 in ad spend. And I'm like, great. And we went over all the rates. And some of these people are charging $1,500 a month to market ads, right? So I give this man $500 in ad spend. Do you know how many leads I got? A big fat zero leads on a $500 ad spend. And after that happened to me with three or four companies, not people, not a kid in high school, not a guy in college getting his business degree, just trying to side hustle, like real companies. After that happened three times, I just stopped. I didn't market. I went deep. I went hardcore in my social media and my gym social media and just started trying to produce content. Now, it was eight years ago. So Instagram wasn't what it is now. So I would say I'm ahead of the times, but I don't have a hundred thousand followers. So I was doing something wrong. You know what I mean? Uh, so I went, I went hard on social media, you know, like, I mean, I was doing something right. Cause my business was great, yeah, yeah. but like the social media aspect where like you become like a thing that, oh, that didn't happen. Yeah. 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 Okay. I got, you, you. know, <laughs> um, 
but I went hard on my social media. I was making a highlight reel per class per day, like spending hours in, in iMovie, just cutting down. Uh, then I discovered the, your iPhone will do that for you. And that was pretty great. You know, they're not normally as good. You got to tweak them, but it saves yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, like, so I started putting those up every day and then I get into instructionals and, you know, Hey, these guys look really good on pads. I'm just going to film them for 30 seconds. And that's what brought me people. I, I and I've, I've always seen myself as, as an everyman. you know, people comment that my prices are low because they are, I'm probably 30 to $40 lower than any of my competitors. But I came up as a blue collar working class kid. If, if I, or, or shit, I started when I was in college. I couldn't have afforded a $200 a month membership. That's way too much money. As a 19 year old kid who's aspiring to fight, no, it, it would have been all of my money, really. I mean, granted, yeah. I was in college, I wasn't working, there wasn't a lot of money. But, like, you know, it's hard to chase the dream when you can't afford to chase the dream and no one's, no one's going to bankroll you coming from nothing. You know what I mean? It's true. So I, I keep my prices at what I consider a reasonable level. I had a 12% increase this year because of inflation, um, which really was nice. Just came out to like $10 a month, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how I got here. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, no worries. Well, uh, finding the new clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was, that was um, so the social media brought the people in. And then again, I hit them with the trial. Like my, the value of what I bring to you will sell itself. You know, so that's just, that's why it was social media, man. I only recently got back into running advertisements. Okay. Uh, I hooked up with a company called 97 Display. They specialize in CrossFit and uh, martial arts schools. Oh, I hooked up yeah. with them and I gave them a minimal ad spend, like 150 bucks a month. And I started getting probably 50 to 60 leads in a month. I'd get 25 to 30 trials and, you know, 60, 70% retention. And <laughs> that's been pretty sweet. Worked out well. Yeah. 100%. And so, Ben, let me ask you this, man. If, if, if traffic was never a concern and leads were, let's say, unlimited, right? Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, what would be that maximum number of total clients that you could handle? Not at one time, of course, but just overall, like members of as a part of your facility, what would be that maximum number? So in, in the martial arts school business, the national average attendance per class is 10% of your client base, right? Okay. Um, I blow that out of the water most days. So with 150 students, 10% is 15 students per class. My average class on a, on a slow day is around that 10 to 15 mark on a good day is around 40. Whoa. Yeah. So on a good day, we're at, you know, shit, 25%. That's just about massive. So awesome. Um, But if we're going by the, the national average numbers, I could handle I can handle 40 to 50 students at a time with it only being a little tight because I do have a large facility. Um, so that would say, you know, 500 students, but I think that would be absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, granted, if, if I have 500 students, I can do whatever I want with a staff. You know, 500 students is an exceptional amount of month, mon- eh, an exceptional amount of money coming through monthly. Yeah. Even on just memberships. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. So with that, you can have an easy, easy, you know, time hiring staff and getting coaches and more and more people. I'm at the point right now. So to answer your question, 500, I think I could do 500 in my facility of 4,500 square feet. Um, Would it, would it be as good as if I had 250? No, I think I'd be able to do a better job at 250. Yeah. But if we're talking about maximum size, 500. Yeah. Because I guess that's I would love, I would love 200, 250 students. I think that's a great number. And just focus on quality over quantity. I think that that makes some sense personally. I'm thinking. I agree. I'm glad you see it that way as well. So, and let's do this. Let's take a step back from um, from clients and dive a little more deeper into leads here. So, you know, um, I think now if, because I know obviously we know what happens when, you know, they're interested and they want to join and what goes through the whole entire process through the client journey. Um, but do you feel like, do you feel like, is there an, well, I guess let me ask it like this. Do you have a, an actual onboarding process? Like, are they obligated to go through a, a specific, obviously depending on where they are on, you know, their, their journey, of course. I mean, do they, are they obligated to go through some type of prerequisite training, like a beginner's training to make sure that they're up to speed or is that non-existent no, with you guys? not yet. So I'm at that really uncomfortable stage where you're like, ooh, I have enough money to hire staff to help me like a front desk sales representative, secondary coaching, whatever it is. So that to lighten my load, I'm right at the point where I can, but at the same time doing so could put me under the mark that I need to be at. You know what I mean? But knowing full well, when I, when I get someone trained up and they're doing a good job, I'm going to jump way ahead. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I've, I've been lazy on this part. My weakest area is probably my lead follow-up, but not necessarily not by design, if that makes sense. People that are in my gym want to be in my gym, right? I'm not chasing you down. I'm not calling you. Like, you know the trick to, hey, you call back the lead, they don't pick up, you hang up, you call them right back because I'm like, oh, they're calling twice. It must be important. That's like a weird, dirty trick, right? Though that one is not the worst of them. There's much, much worse. Um, But I don't do any of that shit. If you want to train, if you want to be here, you will be here. I am not, it's not my job to create drive in you to follow something that you're interested in enough to search me out and send me a, a, an email or a fill out a form for me to call you. If you fill out that form and unless I'm in class time or after 10 PM, I'm calling you within six or seven minutes, right? If you can't pick up your phone or I'll text you almost immediately from my own cell phone, right? And if you can't pick up the phone or text me back, I'm going to give you a shot in a couple days and possibly a week later at most. And if if you're not reaching out or if you're not answering the text or if you're not picking up your phone, I'm not chasing you anymore. Yeah, literally. Because there's other guys who want to be here. You know, there's, there's a lot of gurus in my business or very successful business owners. This is not a knock on them. At least we're just very different people that say like, it takes seven contact attempts to finalize a lead into a trial. Though you will get 
your your initial tryout and probably your, a nice down payment out of that guy, that guy's not coming through. I understand that you want to get that money, get that down payment, get that two or three months that they do stay, but that guy's not going to stay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, though, look, if they come in, I'm happy to provide everything to them, but I'm not going to fight you to show up. Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're not into it? Cool. I want the guy who's going, yo, you got back to me real quick. Uh, can I do a trial day? Yes, you can. That's someone who's driven. That's someone who actually wants to commit to something that, in all honesty, is not easy. Yeah. You know? And I, I get that 100% because you, I, I think there's a sense of, of community and you know the community you want to build. And you're not going to yeah. just take anybody into the community because there's a sense of culture as well. And that culture fit would be at jeopardy if you just go ahead and take everybody in, which also, in a sense, brings value to your table because there's a sense of exclusivity that, hey, I'm not just going to work with anybody. So I love that. I love that. But I understand the mentality completely. Um, I love that you're not just you're not bashing anybody. It's successful, but you know, not my thing. I love that. So way to be having some humility there too. So and, and let me ask you this question. This is a little bit of a of a longer one. So if you need to repeat anything by all means, I will. Um, you know, in, in business, especially the fitness and gym industry, there's about three pillars of business we use more often than any of the five or the other two out of five. Sorry, um, and that's going to be your lead gen, which is your marketing, your client acquisition, which is your sales. And then your retention and ascension, which is keeping your clients longer, but getting them to buy more from you in the process mm-hmm. of those three pillars, where do you feel like you could improve the most? So real quick. So the first one was marketing. The yeah, second lead, one, yeah. client was acquisition, retention. sales, uh, client okay. acquisition. So client sales. acquisition. And the third was um, retention and ascension, which go together because you're yeah. keeping your clients so, longer. Okay. Probably the second. Because I'm very much a one-man show, as in I don't have a sales rep, I'm terrible on my follow-ups. Terrible. Because, I mean, some days I teach five to six classes. Some days I teach two. On the days where I teach two, I get a lot done. But it's not everything. You know what I mean? I'm still behind the desk. I'm the primary sales. I'm the primary contact. I'm the POS. I'm, I'm all of those things. So I do have stuff that slips through my hands. Um, I'm looking into, I'm sure you're familiar with Spark and their Ignite program. Spark. Spark is an, uh, a CRM uh, billing oh. platform. And gotcha. then Ignite is their add-on where they build funnels for you, uh, be it from lead retention into prospect, prospect into trial sale, trial sale into sign up. And they do all your funneling. And I don't know if they, I don't believe they actually do calls but they do emails and SMS. They build all your links, they build your widgets, they put all all that stuff in there. And then like, you know, from what I understand, I don't have it yet. I'm just starting to roll into it. You get your notification and they're like, we're on it. We texted them today. We emailed them today. Hey, notification. They they clicked on the schedule. Uh, They contacted us to set up a trial. Did they come to the trial? They did come to the trial. Great. We're going to follow up. We're going to push the paid trial. All right, great. We got the funnel moving on the paid trial. They sign up for the paid trial. I get the notification. Bing, bing, bing. New trial sold to John Doe. And that yeah. would make my life super easy. Yeah. You know, um, 
because I just, I'm not fussed. Luckily, I think my wife's going to help me. I'm going to bully her into it because <laughs> she's good at sales and she's meaner than me. So like perfect. I love it. I love it. That lead nurture is important. That is super important. I, yeah. yeah. That's literally what, what comes from that in between of lead gen into the actual client acquisition. So that, that's, I mean, it's great. And I appreciate the honesty and transparency because I think oftentimes people don't go too deep into that question because they don't want to seem like they don't know or they don't, or they don't need to improve. You know what I mean? But I, I appreciate that as I well. Have, I'm sure I have so many ways to improve on everything, you know, um, I don't, I have a, a mentor, but I don't have a mentor. You know what I mean? I have a guy who's very successful in business, who I'm close to, who I call up once or twice a quarter. We talk about stuff. He gives me some, he goes, Hey, try this out. This works for me. Try that out. But I don't have like a professional mentor. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, I pay this guy $1,500 a month. He calls me three times a week. We bounce ideas. We talk this, we talk that. You know, a lot of time these are, you know, uh, higher ranking individuals in your business. Like, dude, real estate's insane. I'm in a, in a shopping center that I, I have to move out from. I, I don't know a good real estate agent for commercial. And he's like, oh, I've done this a hundred times. I got a guy, he's going to call you tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like that kind of mentorship. I don't have one of those. So a lot of it's just hit or miss. And I've done yeah. a lot of missing. And luckily I've done a good bit of hitting too. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I love it, man. And, and so last few questions for you here, Ben, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, for you and, 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 and the American top team, what do you feel like is the bigger picture, the overarching goal? What do you guys want to accomplish? So American top team has been gym of the year for the last five years running. Uh, the headquarters is in coconut Creek. We are the most successful, biggest MMA gym in the world right? We have the most champions in the most events, in the biggest events, whatever. I am a smaller franchise of that. Um, My goal would be to start creating my own champions in terms of sport. And then to be able to, like, I turned 40 on Saturday. So I'm not a young man anymore. And and 20 years in the game, like my body's a little beat up. So there's going to come a time where I'm going to have to go from, I am the head chef, to I am the guy in a chef's outfit who shakes hands out front because it's my restaurant. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I got lost in there. But nonetheless, stepping stepping up but not out, I guess, is, is the long-term plan. I think I lost your question in my reference. Yeah, yeah the, the, the overarching goal. But I think you are. Uh, oh, the overarching goal. So one, to be successful. I've got a, I've got a beautiful wife. I've got a beautiful baby and, and they need to be taken care of. So that is priority. Number one, um, number two, or at least my sport priority is to, is to build champions. I want, I want to build special athletes. I want, I want to build people they can know. Um, most importantly within the business is not the athletics or the money, but the differences we make in the lives of our members, whether it's little Timmy who gets bullied at school and, and he builds a little backbone and all of a sudden those problems go away because of just of how, how he carries himself or expresses himself. Uh, a young man comes in way overweight. We get that kid down to being a nice, like a solid fit young man. And that changes the dynamic of what his middle school and high school years are going to be. Or, you know, my, my own story. When I started training, I was 320 pounds. 
I was way out of shape. I, I was gold driven and I had a drive to do, you know, the sport of MMA. And, and that had me losing 120 pounds. It, 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 it pushed me through to succeed in college because I wanted to do more. So I knew I had to do more. I had to learn things because realistically a fighter's career is very short and there's not a ton of money in it unless you're a one percenter. So my goal having started in my twenties, et cetera, was to be this coach guy and to build a gym. It's what I'm better at. I know I'm rambling. I apologize. Um, but that is what I want to be able to offer for my competitors as they grow older. Right. I find it very important that my competitors help me coach because you're not really going to compete past 33, 34, 35. And if you're an absolute freak, like a Yoel Romero or Randy Couture, you know, yeah, 40, whatever. But most people are done at 33. What are you going to do at 33? You got to have something. So I've been training you to fight. I've been training you to coach. If you really push it and dedicate, I will teach you how to run a business. And when you get your black belt, or retire from your career and you're ready to do your own thing, I will help you open a gym underneath my branding, ideally. And then you can make a living just as I'm making a living. And I get a little action because I'm a partner and everyone's very happy. You know, that's it. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Lots of goals. I apologize. No, no. I I love the plan. I, I love the ambition. I think that's great. I think that's great. I mean, look at the end of the day, there's no such thing as a bad goal. And there's no such thing as having too many goals. I think that's awesome there, Ben. And um, the last question for you, which is always one of my favorites. We had mm-hmm. a guy, uh, we had a guy last month who literally I asked him this question. He walks out of the room for 10 minutes to think about it and comes back. And say, I'm, ready to go. I'm like, okay, let's do it. So, um, you know, if you could go back in time here, Ben, and, and talk to yourself when you first started the gym, you know, what's that one piece of advice that you would tell yourself, you know, when starting off to, to really make that biggest difference when, when starting again? Man, there's so many things. Um, one, I can't even say it because I was such a different person eight years ago than I am now. Like, no, if I knew then what I knew now, I would, I would, tell myself not to go in with a partner to just do it myself though i like I, I went in with a partner one i was planning on going back to asia and i just kind of presented with a really good opportunity and i took it um and even before that i ran a gym in colorado and i loved living out there but i didn't know how to run a gym i just know how to run a team kind of thing so like depending on how far we're going back but i as soon as it came necessary for me to be the guy who does everything I just did everything. I didn't need the help. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like you give away time, years, money, et cetera, to, with, with other partners. Now that doesn't mean don't have partners. It, it just structured differently, I guess. Uh, definitely get contracts and paperwork. Don't go off handshakes for fucking anything. That's big. Um, but most importantly, like believe in what I'm bringing. Don't underprice yourself early. Don't offer things for free just because they're free. Don't be afraid to put your foot down. Like my first 
five years, maybe four years, there, there was no dress code in my gym. I was like, who's going to buy our shirts? We're just whatever, whatever. That's absolutely foolish. You open the door and you go, we have a dress code. Our dress code is wear a gym t-shirt. It's not a hard dress code. And don't let people slide. The answer is no, man. You have a shirt. Do you need another shirt? Buy a shirt. These are 10 bucks. These are 20 bucks. They're not expensive. Sort it out. And then it follows through. The, the gym will give you whatever culture you create within the gym. So if you're running the gym scared, you're going to get a clientele that's either going to take advantage of you or also be scared in terms of committing to you. Like, put on your big boy pants, grab your balls, put some fucking bass in your voice, and rule your kingdom. You know what I mean? I love that. Yeah. These four walls belong to me. And in these four walls, these are the rules. And this is how much it costs. And if that's not your thing, that's cool. But you came here for a reason. You joined here for a reason. You want to be here for a reason. So support that reason and commit kind of thing. Um, I would definitely get into SEO earlier. <laughs> Think about time. Like we, we, had a, we had a website designed by a designer. We paid $1,500 for a website. It wasn't hosted. It wasn't SEO managed. It, it was just an HTML, Java, and it was a good website. Don't get me wrong, but it was, it was shit because it had nothing to, there was no keywords. There was no like, like a, I don't know exactly what it's called. Like you have words in your article. They're not hashtag, they're not labeled, but in the coding, they're connected to the search engines and stuff. Like, so, you know, that you're more easily found. Like there was none of that. I went to a company called Town Square. I went with them because they, they own radio stations, TV stations. They're talking about your, your ads that we run for your gym will go through everything in our network, 36 million websites within our area. And for the first two months, they were awesome. For the time, they were really returning. I was getting 15 trials a month out of them, and I was like, nice. But after two months, once I was in, once I stopped like bugging them all the time, they didn't touch anything. And my shit went down, it went to nothing in the course of like six months. I'd reach out to them, they'd fix it and take a dump and fix it and take a dump. And when I got to 97 display, I didn't have to do any of that. And my stuff stayed consistent throughout. So I'm a nice guy. I don't want to fire people. I don't want to break agreements, even though these are, they're not doing the job I'm paying them for. So again, put on your big boy pants and do what you got. Like I'd have left town square much sooner. I'd have gone to 97 display sooner. In this case, I'd have left Zen planner sooner and gone to spark sooner. It's like, stop procrastinating. Stop putting shit off. But at the same time, you have to step away. Like I'm not good at stepping away. I had to be taught how to like step away. I'm kind of work obsessed and that's not healthy. My dad died young from a heart attack. I don't want to as well. So, yeah. In summary, don't have a partner. Be the king of your castle. Don't worry about being polite to companies that don't give you 
the, the, the product you're paying for, make the adjustments you have to make. And don't, these people don't care about you. Don't worry about their feelings, move on. And, you know, fight for yourself, put yourself as number one, take care of you and yours and everything else will follow suit. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, no, that was awesome, man. Look, and I mean, I hate to do this now, but unfortunately it's a good place to wrap things up on this episode because I'm, I'm pumped, man. I'm inspired. <laughs> I love it, man. I that was so well put together. Um, but look, before we sign out, Ben, please, you know, let the people know where can they find out more about you, your website, your, your Instagram, your Facebook, shout out anything you have, man, please. Okay. American top team, Palm beach gardens. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram. We go by our abbreviation, A T T P B G our website, A T T P B G.com. If you're looking for me specifically, you want to see some dope techniques, some cool pad stuff, great MMA techniques, and just me being myself, go to coach Ben Stark, HJJ on Instagram. I know it's long. I'm sorry, but that's coach Ben Stark, HJJ on Instagram. Um, I've recently come out with boxing gloves. Uh, if you're, if you're interested in some gloves, look up hammer striking systems right now. They're just on the Facebook marketplace, small business style, but search them out where we ship, um, clothing, hammer jujitsu, hammer striking. I have tons of shirts in production, but that, that Etsy site will be coming out soon or Shopify will be coming out soon. I have a huge collection. Um, my shirts are designed by, by album designers, clothing designers. I got guys who do production and design for Sony and Best Buy, Radio Shack, doing my logo. Like my shirts are fucking hot. If you want to, this is one done by uh, Dan Gore. He makes death metal album covers. Like I go hard. So look oh, up Hammer yeah. Jiu-Jitsu, look up Hammer Striking, check out the branding, check your boy out on Instagram, Coach Ben Stark, HJJ and ATTPBG.com. Holler at your boy. Thanks for having me. I love the energy, man. Look, look, we absolutely appreciate your time here, Ben, and and appreciate your contribution to the podcast as well. And uh, we look forward to seeing what we can accomplish down the road. Seriously, man, I will definitely be in touch with you, man. (laughs) And uh, to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining and talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the bio, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, till next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk fitness business with gym owners who are in the trenches, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Hubbard Training Systems in Indianapolis, Indiana. Dan Hubbard, thanks for being with us today. Hey, thanks for having me on, Dominic. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to share my story with you and uh, look forward to a great conversation. Yeah, man. Let's let's talk some shop. Give us an overview. What's what's Hubbard Training Systems all about? Uh, Hubbard Training Systems is a private, or I should say, semi-private training facility. Um, 
that's uh, we've been around for a little while uh, and we specialize in training um, clientele in a semi-private manner. Um, it's something that's kind of evolved over the years, um, but uh, it's basically up to six clients can train at a time with one of our trainers in our sessions. Um, and we focus on strength training, great form, great technique, um, having people learn to love training and just provide a really supportive, fun environment where people just want to come back to and train it. Awesome. So strength training based, semi-private studio um, with, an, with an emphasis really on tracking metrics, results driven. Um, it's not it's not a social hour. I mean, not that people can't socialize, but you're not there for the, the big group cheerleading stuff and also not the one-on-one -on -one trainer in your pocket for a whole hour. It's you're bridging the gap there and the most of your methodologies and in training are executed with a strength training bias. Yeah, that's absolutely correct there. Um, strength training has been the emphasis um of all this here uh, i personally you know been always interested in strength training ever since uh days of high school sports got into strength training um i was thrown in there without much direction coaches didn't provide much there and felt like i was fumbling around much so um in my early days i've uh you know always made an emphasis to learn what proper strength training is how, how do you go by all the principles of strength training and you know really you know cling to that and that's something that uh, i preach every day um, to anyone of any age, strength training provides obviously a lot of value. I'm sure all your listeners already know that, but uh, you know, I, I think we're all surprised when we talk to people in general that strength training isn't as valued as as you think. You know, um, it's either to, to get huge or to be a football player or you know be a bodybuilder. But obviously, there's so many positive benefits for anyone of any age, and uh, luckily our clientele have seen that they really enjoy it. And um, yeah, we, we uh, design programs uh, for, for the individual clients at their level um, and uh, they come in and they work on them. Uh, we were there for the, for the support. Um, like you said, it's not it's not so much as a social hour hanging out. It's like people come in, they have their programs ready to go. Uh, we, we update them each time, make sure they're ready to go. They come in, they get the work and um, you know, we provide that support for them. Um, feedback you know encouragement uh, you know just you know all the stuff the stuff all the intangible that you need to have a great training session to feel good about and to make that pro progress but yeah we do look at metrics we want people to improve we want us you know ourselves to improve as a gym but we want our clientele to improve um so we're constantly you know saying hey we, we you're here we want you to get to here we're going to help you we're going to support you to get to here and they really do appreciate that um a lot of times for a lot of our clientele, their uh, general fitness, um, they have a lot of things going on in their lives and just getting into working out, just getting into their sessions each week, um, it can be a challenge. They got a lot going on with their family life, their work life. And so we provide them the structure they need, the accountability, the motivation. And they, again, they really do appreciate that because um, they're busy people, their lives, and, and they can see some good results because of that, uh, the way we do that. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there, and I, I even want to get a little bit deeper into it, but I want to give our audience a, a, a better frame of reference. So bring us back, bring us back to the 90s, right? Okay. You and I are, are probably close in age. The 90s were uh, 
grunge music in high school for me and well yeah uh, maybe a little bit past high school but um anyway i don't want to date myself more than that but that's where you got your start I, I believe you had an athletic background and that led into it, but I don't want to tell your story. Mm-hmm. Give us the background to it and how we ended up here. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we, we I guess we are of similar age there in the sense that uh, I was in high school in the, in the mid 90s and played sports growing up and through high school. And um, when I was a sophomore, my high school basketball coach said, uh, Dan, uh, you need to take strength training this semester. And I was like, Okay, I guess uh, I guess I'll sign up for that. <laughs> Not knowing a whole lot about it, you know, uh, you know, as a I, I don't know how old it was, sixteen year old, um, got in there and uh, you know I was excited because my buddies were in that strength training class and you know we're gonna hang out and you go in there and the, the workouts on the board. There's fifty other kids in there and the football coach is you know barking at everyone to to get to work and I'm uh, looking at my buddy saying. Uh, how do we do this exercise here? And they're like, I don't know. I just, I, you know, I just followed this guy, you know, watch what this guy was doing. And I think we do about this much weight and we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> and I looked back and I was like, man, I'm surprised I didn't hurt myself. And obviously we got, I felt like I got very little out of it there because I didn't know what I was doing, techniques, weights, right. I, I knew none of that stuff there. So, um, but there were some big guys in there that was kind of motivating. These guys went on to play some college football and stuff. So, uh, you know, that kind of motivates you, but again, we we're just kind of trying to f- keep up with them. Um, but, uh, we didn't know what we were doing there. So, uh, yeah, so that was, that was, uh, in high school in the mid nineties. And then as I went on to college, I was interested in, um, strength training and, um, went on to study exercise science as an undergraduate. And part of that, I got a personal training certification in 1997, way back then, and uh, started training um, at a gym. Um, it was actually a pretty good experience. Um, it's kind of a, a health club um, with a handful of trainers and they needed some help. So I got my certification, started training there. So that's kind of where I'll start back in 1997. Yeah, and back then, um, some of our listeners might not have been born in 1997, mm-hmm. but really the, the micro gym industry didn't really exist, uh, really to any degree, even, even personal trainers weren't super common back then, nowhere near what it is now. So the health club or what some people might call a big box gym or something like that, uh, these days, I mean, my, my brother, uh, was a manager of a gold's gym back in the, you know, the mid nineties. And that was kind of my, my first foray into it besides, you know, screwing around in the high school weight room, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. but that was really all you had. So it's, it, there weren't so many choices as there are now. So you've kind of been there for a while, you know, just long enough to where you saw that and have seen some of the industry changes, group fitness, semi-private, one-on-one personal training studios and everything else that's branched off of it. So, um, you know, you're here in a model that's semi-private, you know, one, one trainer up to six clients, things like that. Have you had any big forays into any of the other realms, group training, strictly, you know, one-on-one as a, as a business, like what have been the big, you know, kind of big milestones and things you've done along the way? Yeah, but you know, back in the '90s, there that all that training was one-on-one training. Um, had our you know client, individual client. You worked with them for an hour. You know, it was a pretty standard. 
Um, that's, that's all it was offered. And, uh, so did that for a long, long time, um, probably for a good decade did that. And, um, it wasn't until probably around 2007 ish. Um, I can remember exactly Well, we started doing some more of the group training, semi-private training. I think we, we start, I, I personally started saying, Hey, it's nice outside. Let's take some equipment outside. Let's go to the park over here. Let's go out here and you know, we can all work out and uh, put together kind of a group workout for people. They enjoyed that. And I was like, you know, this, this is pretty efficient. We got a bunch, you know, more than one person training at once here. Um, so we did, again, kind of delved into that. And then as you get back, go back into the gym, um, you're like, well, people still want to do their, you know, their specific strength training. So maybe we write something out individually for these people, but more than one people can work out at once. And that was sort of my sort of moment when I was like yeah how do, how do we do this and the, as you said I mean there's uh, there wasn't semi-private was not a, a much of a thing that, that wasn't like oh this is the model everyone's doing it it was kind of like you kind of fumble into it a little bit there um, so yeah it was kind of a, an evolution over time but yeah it was a good decade of one-on-one -on -one training then a little into that uh, group training and then um, kind of putting it all together into the, the semi-private training because again um, the experience you have is that the group training is, is fun, but you realize you can't make it great for everyone. It's going to be too hard for some people. It's going to be too easy for some people. The modifications aren't going to always accommodate, you know, greatly. Um, some people need a ton of rest Some people are ready to go, you know, so it's tough to accommodate everyone. So that's the, again, kind of push more towards a semi-private model. Got it. Got it. Okay. So the other thing that, that we touched on as we, as we opened up here was um, you are strength-based, strength-biased. I, I don't want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're not, you're not boot campy. You're not, you know, like let's do cardio till our heart explodes. You've got that component and feel pretty strongly about it. So um, how did that bias or preference work its way into what you do? Yeah, well, um, over the years, you know, a lot of people would, I would meet them in the gym. I was working in the gym and they felt very comfortable doing cardio, um, but they had no idea what to do with strength training. And again, I, I look at my own experience going to that high school weight room, zero experience in strength training, not knowing anything, you know, what I'm doing there. So, so many people today still don't understand what strength training is, how it works, how to do it safely, the principles, designing programs, all that stuff there. Um, Many people, it's a very, it's very much a mystery to them. Um, so we felt like our best use of time was helping people understand how to do this and, under, and, and understand how to do it correctly and efficiently. And they really enjoy it. Um, that, that's kind of the cool thing too. You got some, uh, you know, 70 year old females that's never done any strength training before and you start working with them. Obviously they're, they're using, you know, 10 pound weights, five pound weights there and they're learning their technique. And, but you know what, over time, after several months, they're like, Hey, I want to try deadlifting 70 pounds that, you know, Hey, want to, you know, try to bench press the 45 pound bar. You know, you start seeing great progression. You see the enthusiasm for it. You see them improve. Um, and then just physically, you know, um, just as people get older, losing muscle mass is just a given and people don't really think, Hey, I can actually build muscle in my forties and fifties and sixties, I can build bone density. And these clients saw that happening. They really, they really love that. So, so really getting back to the, 
you know, all the great um, attributes that strength training does provide um, and giving people sort of a, a way to tap into that safely and effectively. And then the other thing is that with the cardio, I mean, you can tell someone to walk. You don't need to watch someone walk or ride a bike. I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty straightforward there. You can kind of give them some guidelines on duration, intensity, and stuff like that. That's usually a, you know, a 30-second conversation, and they're good to go from there. So uh, the strength training definitely needed a whole lot more structure and, and development and feedback and coaching and all that. So that's where the emphasis has been, and, and that's where it will continue to be because, you know, as I get older, too, you know, the, the importance of proper strength training, proper programming, not doing a whole bunch of stupid stuff is, is, is really important there. Um, so you can, you can relate to the, the 40, 45 year old man that comes into your gym and has done maybe a little strength training here and there, but it's never really, you know, had a, an appropriate program put together and progressed appropriately and stuff like that. You can really relate and say, Hey, yeah, when I started, this one's a little awkward when you first start doing it here, you know, focus on these couple things first, when you feel like you got the hang of that, then we can add this weight Then we can, you know, so you can kind of give them some uh, great, great uh, instruction, great coaching there. So, but yeah, strength, strength training is, has been, and will continue to be a big emphasis for what we do. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. And, you know, one of the best things I think for somebody who's been in this so long, nothing you're doing is like, oh, you know, just, just trying this thing on right now, seeing how it's going, you know, whatever the case may be, like you've had a lot of time to, to flesh it out and try it and figure out this is, this is what I'm doing. This is, I'm prop. I think you'll, you'll be open to whatever happens in the industry for as long as you're in it, but you know who you are. You have your main bread and butter. And then it's just like, how can I get more efficient at it? How can I deliver it better to my clients? How can, how does this work into my quality of life, my trainers? So we talked about it earlier, I think off the air, you said it though, very, you perfectly, the name, the word systems is in the name. And a lot of people talk about having systems and, and it's a cool industry buzzword, but it's really something that you've worked on. And we'll get into your transition into more owner role versus trainer um, in a little bit. But for you, what does that mean? And how have you adopted it in your business to have a systems-based approach for, it sounds like basically everything you do. Yeah, that, um, it, it is an important part of everything we do. Um, I, I, I'm kind of a numbers guy, so I like the kind of you know, have metrics on things and see how things are working or not working. And, um, and then the thing you realize, well, several things you realize with these clientele, as much as they want to, you know, get in shape and improve their life is busy. It's kind of chaotic there. So if you can give them that structure, that systematic way of kind of integrating strength training in their life, they really do appreciate that. So instead of just haphazardly saying, Hey, when do you want to train? I don't know. I can do Thursday at four and then maybe Saturday at nine, you know, you kind of have, no, we got a, a regular weekly schedule, you know, schedule of sessions. Um, they sign up for it uh, through our app. So things are um, predictable and understandable. Uh, we know who's coming in when, at what time, uh, we can design programs based on, you know, the frequency of people train, how their lives are, you know, just how they go about their training. There's some people that 
is, you know, it may take them 25 minutes to do two warm-up exercises. You're like, oh, my God, that's a, this is not going to work here. So we got to, you know, just to kind of maybe, okay, we got to tweak their programs a little bit there so they can get into the meat of it quickly and, and get be productive there. Um, so, so in that sense, yeah, have, having the systems, the structure in place. And then from us or the trainers, myself and my trainers that work for me, we need to have a system of how do we, imp how do we program design for these clients? Uh, we have a lot of different ones coming in, different backgrounds, different levels, different restrictions, limitations. Um, we could sit down and take an hour to program for each one and come, come up with an entire different training you know, program every time there. But uh, that that's very inefficient for us as you know as trainers there. So can we have a template? Can we have various templates and have sort of an algorithm of which template training template we give a client based on a couple different questions? So yeah, the whole idea is that uh, you know all the stuff that you have in your head you kind of put down on paper so I can teach this to a new trainer that comes in and say, okay, here's how we program design. Here's sort of the quick algorithm here. You answer these couple questions and that's going to tell you which training template we use. And then in that training template, you're going to have your matrix of exercise that you're going to select and put in there. And then, you know, based on what you know of them, you're going to tweak those variables a little bit and that's going to be your program. And that's going to take eight minutes to design versus an hour and uh, we're all going to be happier. Life's so much easier there. And then with clients, as much as they say they want a ton of variety, they want a little variety. They, you, when you take everything they've been doing and throw it all away and start all over something completely different, um, there's a, it's a little uh, upsetting, little frustrating, little <laughs> for the client that they, they, want, they like something to build on. So that's that that kind of goes hand in there. So anyway, so systems, yeah, from from all aspects of it, for you know what we offer the client, how we develop uh, deliver our training, um, is all very important. And then lastly, you know, from a business owner standpoint, you know, looking at the gym, the performance, uh, looking at these metrics, you know, how, how are things working? Um, we offer semi-private training um, seven days a week. We offer a varying number of sessions each day. Uh, obviously, some days are offer more sessions than others, but we're, I'm always looking at what's the average number of attendees per session there. And if, if it falls below a certain point, we, we start reconsidering whether we keep offering that one, or there are certain ones that are very busy, and they're very high number, do we need to add more to that one there? So uh, again, looking at metrics from all aspects of it, from what the uh, client experiences to how the trainers are delivering the programming to, you know, to to me as the owner kind of looking at how how, is, how are we performing as a gym you know financially you know numbers wise number of client training wise how are we doing so yeah there's a, there's a, there's so many aspects to this that uh, can be refined to offer a better and better um, I think most most uh, of your listeners who have been or are personal trainers know that it can be chaotic unstructured just you know very in, inefficient sort of uh, business to be in and so if you have these systems it's gonna make make it even better for everyone yeah and uh, you uh i thought you were gonna stop short of talking about how it applied to the business and i think because as trainers we all you know that's kind of the that's the the fun in the, the interesting part for for a long time and you know not everybody loves the business side but it sounds like you know you've applied it just as equally um, and you you hit on some some topics there. One thing I, I don't want to 
um, miss. And it's a small thing, but I see it happen so often. As you said that you you track attendance per session, um, and it sounds like like the, the phrase that I always have in my head is fill it or kill it, right? It's either we really think this can work and maybe we haven't put every effort we can into marketing and directing people towards it, or, hey, we've given it everything we got. Nobody's going to come work out at 7 p.m. on Friday. Mm-hmm. There, you know, we can move a couple people around. We might even lose one or two people, but in the in the realm of that, um, I work. I, I have this conversation so often. When people are like, you know, I have twenty half full sessions because I think people need choice and they need options. And if I don't have all these sessions, nobody will come to me. And and it's I've been in that trap. Um but it almost never works out that way. It's like people mm-hmm. that want to be with you and in, in your world are probably going to figure out a time and a day that works for them versus mm-hmm. the other way. Have you ever gone the other way? Have you ever felt like, oh man, I need to have all the sessions in the world. I'm just going to, if I build it, they will come. Have mm-hmm. you ever been down that road? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you go down the, I, I think all of us as trainers kind of think that way. Like, you know, I'm, only training X number of clients because I only have this much availability or this many times. If I double that, I'm going to double my clients. And, and as you said, you, you, you go down that road and you realize, nope, that, that, that didn't necessarily help out there. Um, the clients are going to want to train with you um, for what you offer. A little flexibility, a couple options is probably good, but um, yeah, adding more, you know, if you have, only 50% full of your Friday afternoon sessions and you add two more, you're not going to get those other two 50% fill either. Likely it's going to be, yeah, just too much. Um, so yeah, you're looking at those metrics, um, analyzing them, kind of looking at in, in even seasonal trends too, you know, um, in the summertime, we know uh, June and July are going to be the slowest months. We know. So it's like, Hey, you're going to go on a trip, go then and take some time off. That's a good time to do it. We intentionally cut back our, our schedule by 20% just because we know people are going to be out and about and traveling. And then, um, so we just cut some out, say, you know what the, you know, we offer, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday evening, we're going to cut one of those evenings out just to kind of consolidate and people will move into the other session. They do. It's usually not a big issue there. Um, but just because the numbers are overall are down in those couple in those couple summer months there, because everyone's kind of traveling and doing different things. And then come fall, we add those sessions back in, the numbers go back up. It's a seasonal thing there. Um, so yeah, uh, it's it's definitely something I would recommend um, if you're offering any classes, group training, semi-private training, look, look at the, keep an eye on those numbers there. Keep an eye on those metrics and, and, don't, and feel free to make those changes don't feel like you're going to upset people. Um, it's it, they understand. They understand. It's like, oh yeah, not many people are coming. I can see why you, you canceled that one. Yeah, it makes sense there. They get it. Yeah, for for sure. Okay, um, just trying to keep an eye on time here. I want to be respectful of your time. I think the 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 other big topic uh, that it's going to hit home with a lot of our listeners. You've been a trainer for a long time and have, have built up a clientele and probably had a lot of people that you love training and love training with you, but at a certain point, and it's, it's been more so the last couple of years, but I'm sure in your mind for a while, you've made the decision to move further or remove yourself from training as many sessions and many clients in more into that 
exclusive CEO owner role. Um, you can't say it's one or the other because you've been that the whole time too, but to devote more time to that. So give us your thought process um, to why you felt that was important, what things you, you thought you could do with more time and attention in that role. And has it been as painful as a lot of people think it would be to, you know, train less clients and make that transition away? Like, what does that process felt like for you? Sure. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's been a process. It's, it didn't happen overnight. It's um, put many hours into the training um, to kind of build those clientele, build those relationships. And as money comes in, you can fix up the gym a little nicer, get some more equipment, gradually do that over time. Um, but then it gets to the point where you got to decide, you know, um, what's, what's important, you know, the growing the business is important. Um, offering the service is important, but what can, what can you, you can't do it all. I mean, that, that you got to kind of decide, you know, I, I can't do all this. I'm, you're not good at doing it all when you're trying to, you know, balance everything out there. I'm not a great trainer when I'm worried all about the business and marketing stuff. I'm not a you know great business owner when I'm training, you know, six, seven hours a day, that, that, that doesn't work very well. So um, the key is, you know, obviously bringing in people that can help you out in a way that you need to help out. So um, I needed some trainers that were very personable, that uh, cared, that had a good background, that, you know, just really enjoyed training people. They could have zero business background. In fact, that's that's what they have. <laughs> and that's great there because I, I don't want, you know, I'm going to move moving into that role. Now I've known other people who own gyms who's, who brought on a business partner who, who, who they, so they were able to, you know, focus on the training in the business stuff. They got a, someone who's had a background in business they knew and they partnered up and it worked really well for them because they knew what their strengths and weaknesses were. Um, so I, I think for me personally, um, like I said, it was a gradual process, but I found these trainers that, Again, having the system, the training system, you know, kind of how our gym's laid out, how the scheduling's done, how the training templates are done, matrix, stuff like that. I just need someone that can, uh, you know, that has a good training background, that's personal, that's, you know, can look, I can teach them this and they can be the face of it. So um, kind of got them up to speed and they've done a great job. And so I've been able to slide into this role of sort of, uh, I call it support. I'm, I'm supporting them so they can offer a great service. And what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, making sure we got everything, you know, facilities wise working properly, all equipment working properly, places clean, charts are ready to go. Um, and then this training programs, people got questions on, I can give them support on that. Uh, client has some unique issues. We can discuss that. Um, and just that also allows me to have a presence more during the week. You know, if I'm training, I'm only doing certain times of training, but if I'm sort of the support, I can stop in on a, you know, Monday afternoon and then kind of come in on a Tuesday morning and then a Saturday morning, you know, I can kind of bounce around and be able to see everyone, see everything that's going on. That That's great there too. And then, you know, the more important thing, um, we talked about this, you know, sort of the bottleneck is just getting more clients in. That's always going to be a challenge for every gym owner. Um, you know, as great of a trainer you are, people come and go for various reasons. Not, it's not always that you're not a good trainer, you're not offering good service. Life happens, people move. So you got to always, so I can develop more time 
to promoting, marketing, and getting more people in front. So I can be the face, whether it's on social media or um, you know meeting with people in general or going to some uh, event or something like that, just being the face and discussing, and then having them come in and meet my trainers and, and having them work with them. So uh, it is, it's been very important there. And uh, like like you mentioned, it's not so painful, but it's a gradual sort of transition, but know that it's a, it's a transition you want to get to. So getting those people in that are going to uh, compliment you for what your role is. So if you're shifting into that role, you need to have the trainers that are, are there to train. Um, if you go the other route, if you just focus, I want to train, you know, 30 hours a week, that's important to me. I really love that. I want to do that. Then get someone in to help on the business and marketing side of it to help you out there. So kind of look at, yeah, what direction you want to go. Just one follow-up there. What would you say the most difficult part in this transition process has been? I think trusting that your trainers are going to do as good a job that you, you feel you do. Um, and, uh, you know, I, for a lot of these clientele, I have a long relationship with them. And um, I've had other trainers work for me that didn't work out so well. So you always feel like, well, they're a little, it's a red flag when, when I have someone else train them there. But um, the thing I've learned is it's kind of the, the more gradual transition. Don't be like, hey, you know, Bob, I've been training for five years. By the way, here's Susie. She's going to be taking, she's going to take over all your training now from now on. I'll never see you again. Bye. <laughs> I think that, that they get a little uh, concerned when, when, it's like that, but if uh, the way we've done it the last couple of years, new trainer comes on, they're shadowing a little bit, they're doing some sessions here, they're doing some there. Um, they're just kind of getting to know one, people are getting comfortable with them. Um, it's just sort of a gradual transition that, that new trainers has taken on slowly, gradually, more and more responsibility um, over time. So people really kind of build a trust and a good relationship with them. So yeah, that was key. Awesome, man. All right. To wrap things up here, I know that you're working on this transition. You're going to be more, you know, overseer, support role, all that. Um, is there anything else coming down the line? Is this, I know you've been in a lot of different, a lot of different locations. You've got this beautiful spot that you've got now. I always like to ask, you know, the, the unicorns and rainbows, you know, if everything lined up, is this your perfect spot forever? Do you ever think you'd do another one, multiple venture out into anything else in the health and fitness world? Or is it just keep crushing this for as long as you want to be in the business? Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, like I said, things have been going pretty well the last few years. So um, I think that obviously there's room for growth. We can add some more sessions in per week uh, at this location. Uh, Size-wise, you know, we can't get any bigger for what the building is, um, so we're never going to increase the number of people training at once. But then again, that's the appeal that a lot of people like. They like that environment, so I don't think we're going to disrupt that. So uh, down the road, another option would be another location um, that, that to kind of mimic what we do here. Again, we, we're pretty good at what we do. Our, we kind of figured out who we are over the years. We're pretty good at what we do. Um, we've learned a lot. We've been, gotten more efficient. So I think we can definitely apply that to, a, to another location. So maybe in the next uh, year or two, we look at another location. Fantastic. All right, sir. Free forum. Before we let you go, anything else you want to add? Anything else you want to throw out there to the audience? We've discussed a lot. 
Uh, we got a few minutes left. So anything else that you want to share, the floor is yours. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate coming on here and being able to kind of share my story. Uh, you know, when you go down this road as a trainer, as a gym owner, you always kind of feel like, you know, you're just sort of fumbling around, you're trying this, you're trying that. And obviously a good number of trainers leave the industry after a year or two. It's tough because it's, it's not a really a structured career unless you make it that way. And that's hard because uh, it's, we don't always have the luxury of that. Um, so I've learned a lot over the years there, but I think that, you know, a couple of key factors is that um, you, you got to kind of uh, try to build it for the long term. You, you can't go a thousand miles an hour and train hundred hours a week. You're, you're going to burn yourself out. You got to find a balance there. Um, I, I think for a lot of people, and this is a lesson I learned too, is, you know, it takes time. All this stuff takes time in a sense that um, you don't put up a sign and it says, you know, personal training and everyone comes flocking. It, it's building those relationships. It's getting people in. Um, people will train on their timetable just because you need to, you know, earn a certain number of dollars this month doesn't mean they're all going to come running in. You know, that, that's, a, that's a lesson learned. It's, it's, it's a kind of a gradual thing. But you know what? When you do take the time, you don't act like you're desperate to train people, but you do take the time, get to know people, build those relationships. Um, they turn into great long-term clients, um, but you can't force it. I think a lot of us feel like, you know, we need to make a certain amount of money. We need to, you know, you know, and especially if we have overhead, we need to hit that. We need um, the biggest thing I've learned is start small. So yeah, rent out that 600 square foot space, 400 square foot space or sublease or something like that, uh, kind of bust at the seams there and then look for the next thing. Um, the other lesson I learned is that nobody cares what brand equipment you have. They don't care. <laughs> you might be impressed. Your, your trainer friends might be impressed that you got, you know, Rogue or Alico or something, you know, something like that. That's real nice there. The clients look at it and they're like, oh, is that new? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. It's kind of a, you know, not necessarily a waste of money, but you realize that uh, you can get away with some uh, lesser uh, expensive options. So yeah, keep, you know, when, if you're outfitting a gym, you know, start small, start cheaper. You can always gradually upgrade over time. Uh, expect that bringing on clients is going to take a lot longer than you think. It's not going to be, I'm not going to bring X number in a month, cut that number in half for your, for your expectation. It's going to take some time there. Um, it, but um, it's it's all about relationships. It's all about how you treat people, um, you know, being there for them, being consistent, building that trust. Uh, that's the key. So if you bring on trainers, you want them to be good people that you're going to trust. You want to let them show you that they're good people and that they can trust. And you don't know unless you you get them in there and you start they start working and give them some time there. But um, you know you're creating you're trying to create a good culture. And is this person adding to our culture or is this person detracting from our culture? And if they're detracting, you gotta you gotta cut them loose there because it's not uh, it's not um, what your what your mission is there. So. Um, Anyway, those are some of the lessons I've learned over the years. Uh, the industry has changed a lot. Um, figure out who you are and, and do it well. Um, that, that's the big thing there. Um, you can't be everything to everyone. There's clients that you're just going to have to say, hold your hands, be like, you know what? This may not be a good fit for us, you know, for you here. You know, maybe consider something else there. You know, it may be worth doing that. Uh, yeah, figure out who you are. Start small, kind of gradually grow. Um, just take time to build those relationships and then they will go reap the benefit of those down the road there, but it's always longer than you expect. So 
um, yeah, that's kind of what I learned over the years, kind of summarized there. Uh, I enjoy what I do, you know, it, 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 when you get to a point where you can kind of have things under control where it doesn't run you, but you feel like you're running the business, it's not running you, then that's, that's a good feeling there. But it does take some time. And like I said, for me, a lot of bumps in the roads, a lot of mistakes that you learn from, but um, you could get there, but um, it just takes some time. Awesome, man. Well, we are officially out of time here. Um, before we let you go, uh, for the audience, it's HubbardTrainingSystems.com, Hubbard Training Systems on Facebook, Hubbard Training Systems on Instagram. Um, is there anywhere else that people can find you? Anything else you want us to check out? Yeah, those are those are the main ways uh, for to find us. All of our contact information is there. Um, you can email me personally. It's HubbardTrainingSystems at Yahoo.com. If you ha had any questions, uh, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to to respond to anyone there. Um, but yeah, all those, the social media handles and uh, the website is the main way to get a hold of us as all of our contact information there. So um, yeah, if anyone wants to reach out, I'm happy to talk to any folks out there and your listeners. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's the best way. All right, sir. Well, I appreciate you taking some time to be here with us today. I've had a great time. I wish you continued success. Thanks, Dominic. I appreciate uh, you having me on and, and taking some time and listen to my story. Uh, I've enjoyed the conversation. Thanks a lot. Been very cool. And to everyone out there in our audience, thank you for taking some time on your day with be with us. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you want to hear more, hit the subscribe button. We're dropping episodes on the daily. We'll notify you as they come out. To everyone out there in Jim Ward's nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Ward's out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Brooke, and joining me on the show is Abby from Chaos Fitness in Inglewood, New Jersey. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Brooke. I'm uh, happy to be here. Looking forward to some good questions and hopefully I can add value to some listeners out there. I'm really excited to have you here today. Um, and yeah, like you're right. The goal is to have a valuable conversation today um, to help somebody out there listening to this. That's what we'll do. So before we do that, give us your story. What was it, Alex, that got you started in the industry of being a gym owner? All right. Well, we're going way back to 2003. Uh, on the table, I was either going to become a dentist 
and I was going back to school for some credits to apply to dental school. And at the same time, I was working as a personal trainer at a large box gym that's no longer in business. And at the time, that gym was doing a good $150,000 a month in personal training. And we and I was a you know I started personal training over there. I, I had a good knack for it. My clients stuck with me a long time, and I decided that there was a lot of money on the table over there. And for us to add better services for our clients that were training there, I partnered up with another trainer, and we opened up about a mile and a half down the road, a small 1,700-foot location that we're currently still in, and we've been there ever since. Cool, exciting stuff. It was either dentist or this. And so ultimately you chose this, this path. Now you have chaos fitness. What I would love for you to do for our listeners is just give us your elevator pitch. Tell us who you guys are, what services that you provide. That way our listener kind of has a picture of, of that. Sure. So we're basically in between group training and personal training, uh, leaning more towards personal training. Uh, when a client comes in, you know, we offer them anything a personal trainer and one-on-one personal training can do. The only difference is that we'll add a little bit more value because we'll be more flexible on time when they can come in because they're not limited to the schedule. And at the same time, we offer them a little bit of a discount because they may have to share time with somebody else. Uh, I noticed this model works for physical therapy. If I ever had to go to a physical therapist, I'm working with a physical therapy therapist, not by myself, but usually there's two other people in there at the same time. We're all getting great uh, work done on us. And I saw no reason why not to bring this personal training. Yeah, definitely very unique. I haven't really heard this kind of model often. So just so I can better understand, like a client joins you on a personal training kind of membership and they're not, I like, they're not required to come in at specific times. They can come in. Do they train with a specific trainer or does it, it's just whoever is available? Like, how does that work? It really depends on how long the client's been there. Uh, some of our clients have been with us over 15 years and they're comfortable just popping in and seeing who's there. Uh, but mostly when someone first signs up, we assign them a trainer. That trainer is going to kind of be like their account manager and their personal trainer. That's going to be their go-to person. They will schedule that trainer. And if that trainer can't handle the session, he will then reach out to our group and sub out the session to another trainer. We really don't want to see the client not able to come in on a specific day because we have noticed that if they lose momentum, sometimes you might lose them for more than a week or two before they start to actually come back in. So we always tell the younger trainers, listen, it's best to send them in, let them come in, let them keep their momentum or consistency, and you'll have a tra- you'll have a client for a long time. But if you're not able to make it on that Thursday, and then they say, "Okay, I'll come tomorrow," and then they can't make it tomorrow, a week goes by, it's going to be hard to get them back in those doors. Yeah, definitely, kind of a tricky thing to try to figure out. Um, you know, that it plays a big role in the retention piece and making sure that our members are sticking around for the long haul. Um, so, you know, now that we kind of have a picture of of that, that model, you know, what are the different types of memberships that people can kind of take advantage of? Is it just one or is there a few kind of different ones? Well, we do it by time. Uh, we're doing 30 minute, 45 minute and one hour sessions. Uh, pricing wise, it's around $76 for the hour, the half hour. I think we just raise our prices. Uh, I think they're around 44 for the half hour. 
maybe even 46 and the 45 minutes, $60. Uh, most people opt for the 45 minute session. Uh, you know, try to come in two to three times a week with that. And a lot of uh, clients also might belong to a regular gym. We don't have any gym memberships for them to come and use our equipment. The space wouldn't allow it with the amount of clients that we have. Right. Okay. So let me just ask you, it, it, like they pay per, so you're saying they pay per class. Do they pay that day? Or like, does somebody buy a pack of 12 classes at once or something like that? So we usually, when we start off, we'll give them a free evaluation session. Uh, it's pretty much the same workout for everybody. And that, that allows us to evaluate the client uh, among other clients that we've had in the past. And we, we know where they're starting off. Uh, from there, then we'll usually ask them to commit to 10 sessions because one, we can go and plan all 10 sessions at once for them. And two, it just helps with results and retention. After the 10 sessions, usually they just keep their card on file and they'll pay for session by session. We're confident that they're gonna keep returning because they're getting results. Uh, and then they're, they're comfortable with us charging them every time they come in. Okay, got it, got it, okay, nice. So when you have that kind of model, like where once they're kind of coming in, you charge them as they come in, do you find that you kind of ever lose clients? Do people kind of just stop coming eventually? Or like, how do you hold them accountable to coming back? Well, we're lucky that we have, we have right now, we have 17 trainers and nice. I would put them in peers. We have about five full-time, full career trainers. We have five trainers that are right, you know, one foot in the door becoming that full-time career trainer and might have some other stuff going on. And we've got five young trainers that are coming up and learning, going through the internship process, doing a few sessions here and there, substituting and learning at the time. Uh, having these trainers, their, their job is really to focus on retention. They establish relationships with the clients uh, you know, they're, they're paid per session. So it's in their benefit for the clients to come in and going back to the substitution model. If they send their clients in, they're also paid on those sessions, a portion of that, that income. So they're, even if they're going to be home sick, they could still make money as a trainer, as opposed to other places where if you're a trainer and a 1099, you don't have a salary, you don't have any clients for two weeks, you're not going to see any income. Uh, so the retention seems to work. And we do things on our back end as owners, you know, emails, constant contact, text messages, uh, social media, Instagram to keep that retention up. But ultimately, a lot of the burden falls on the trainer to establish that relationship with the client and keep them coming in. Yeah. So the, the trainers, like what role do they play any role in that piece of like, you know, reaching out to clients and making sure that they're like coming in for classes or is that more, you know, you on the business side of things? Well, that's going to be more on their main trainer. So whoever's that person's trainer, they usually open up a line of communication through text messages and they'll text the clients, you know, are you coming in today? The client will be, I guess I'll be there around 10. You know, and then trainers like, great, I'm going to be in from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Got it, got it. Come in, and then we'll put their name, we'll check them in, and then we check them out, and the session is charged for. Got it. So let me ask you this. Now that we have a better idea of, you know, the services that you guys are providing, you know, this yep. kind of personalized training, 
um, in, in that setting, um, what, you know, how many members are you guys currently servicing between all 17 trainers? I uh, just speak. So in the, uh, right now I'd say we have about 260 active clients that are doing personal training. Uh, and in a given month, we probably do close to around 1500 sessions. So you're going to see a big difference between some of the clients who come in less than four times a month and you know some of the clients who come in 20 times a month mm -hmm. uh everybody's getting great value for whatever it is they come in for so if it's going to be someone who's not looking to spend a lot of money who wants great coaching who wants to make sure they get one really solid leg workout and some heavy strength training to complement all these other boutique fitness, such as our, our Siri or their Peloton bike at home, or if you're doing a running program or an app on television, or they belong to a regular gym where they just kind of walk themselves through workouts, they know that they're, gonna, they're seeing much better results when they're coming in with us and that they do one full body heavy strength training session with us and their coach. Yeah, and definitely. the coach is going to keep them accountable. And if they miss a week, Maybe they do, but they'll come in next week. And now they've been three times for that week for three hours. And they spent around $210 or $220 with us if they're doing hours for three sessions. I got it. What would you say is that average client lifetime? Like how many months or how many years are, is your typical client kind of sticking around and taking advantage of that, that kind of, I guess, active membership coming in, you know, two or three times a week? So what we tell the trainers is that we're looking for, we'd like them to get their clients about a hundred sessions. After a hundred sessions, they should pretty much peak in their fitness and their results. Uh, doesn't mean that they can't get better or they can't get worse, but we'll see a lot of times we'll get people to their peak physical condition after like a hundred sessions and then after that, they, they're very comfortable with us. They like to continue and they stay and they're in like a maintenance mode, but they're also have other things going on in their life where they may not be striving for fitness to be a priority, but they're still going to be more fit than 95% of the people in a gym, but they'll just continue doing two, three sessions with us. And those clients may go a thousand sessions. Wow. Uh, and We'll see drop-offs after 20. You know, there's going to be the initial drop-off after 5, 10, 20. And usually if they go past 20, they're going, uh, you know, to 100. So we really, if we can get them focused on getting those first 20 sessions in, because our, our style of training is a lot of strength training. And even if you spread that out over one or two sessions a week, after a couple of months, and the results are really there, especially if someone hasn't done any strength training before in the past, regardless of how much circuit training or cardio training they've done, all of a sudden their body's doing things and looking different. And they really find that this is important to them. And it's hard for them to, to find a class or some uh, alternative to do it unless they go out and do it on their own. Okay. Yeah, I get that. I get that. So let me ask you this, like, because you are offering a pay per session type thing and you guys like, it doesn't sound like you really experience a whole lot of drop off, right? Like people come in, they're hooked. 
have you toyed around with the idea of like, you know, offering a package, like where they pay for, you know, I don't know, a specific amount of classes up front. That way you kind of get that front end cash and, and you know for sure that there can be no drop off. Is that something that you guys have ever done or have you always been a pay per session? Well, that's what we used to do. And uh, ultimately we found out that it would either put some stress upon the renewal process. Let's say somebody buys 30 sessions or 20 sessions. We used to pretty much do 20 as our largest package. And so when it comes time to renew, then, you know, the trainers to go, oh, you're out of sessions. Or what we'd find out, you know, the client would maybe just not come in the last two sessions and try to skate their way out of there. Or unfortunately, sometimes the client may exceed those last couple of sessions you know, saying they'll pay next time. And then we have to go and chase the balance on that, okay. you know, and then, and now they're looking at a large number, but as technology really changed and, you know, we use mind body and we okay. store a lot of credit cards on file. We just found that uh, providing a really good service and having them pay per session seems to actually push that past any packages that we could sell. Now, if our, if our business model was to sell packages and not regardless, and we had a high turnover volume and we were in a sit transient city where people were just coming in and out, so someone came in, bought 20 sessions, and then moved two towns away, you know, like to another state, you know, I, I could see that business model working well. But for us, uh, we very rarely would have to do a return of sessions or, and our, you know, our review, reviews are stellar, no one's ever complained anywhere on any of a Yelp, Google, or any of these social media things you know, about any type of overcharges or scams and stuff like that. And we feel that goes a long way. People really do trust us. And that allows us to recruit new talent. And when they need talent train somebody, there's a lot of trust coming to Chaos Fitness for anybody training there. So as opposed to just going to a trainer that they may or may not trust, they know that we're watching them and their money is secure and they're safe and it seems to work better for us. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with you there. So next question that I have for you would be, how are you actively, you know, getting the word out in your community that you are a place that exists people can come to if they're looking for personal training? Like how are you aiding that kind of growth process? Uh, we have a couple of things that really work well for us. One, just being around for, 16 years in the same location, uh, various press and things that pop up in the community. I think we do really well for like a Google search in our area. And, yeah. that, and that just comes over time. Uh, second, having a lot of trainers who are really active on social media uh, really extends our following so that when we're hiring trainers from different areas that live in local towns, they already come in with a local following and then we really teach them how to optimize their Instagram and how to focus on uh, using their Instagram to recruit clients to come in and basically show that you could add value that you're an established trainer you work at this wonderful place uh, and our trainers a lot of them their Instagrams you know their names begin with chaos it'll be chaos George chaos Brandon chaos Snita like we'll have names like that. And so when they go to follow somebody, they're like, oh, these people are from chaos. Or when somebody new sees them on there, some of the old clients will follow them. So that, that really, I think Instagram has been a successful help for us of getting a lot of new clients. 
Uh, we've done some paid advertising in the past and, and that's worked well with us in conjunction with Facebook and Instagram. Uh, other than that, we're on, we have a great location. We work out outside. So we get a lot of past the bus route. We get a lot of drive, like drive-in traffic. People will see us, they'll go home and they'll Google and they say, oh, I see you guys working out outside all the time. I want to know what it's about. Uh, that, that combination, and word of mouth. When you actually develop, deliver results, that, that really is the best one. And when we have someone come in for the first time or, you know, looking at our numbers, our sales uh, success rate to somebody coming in for a free trial session is 75%. And that's great. That's yeah, great. Me, and sometimes, you know, it really depends too. I think if the trainers, you know, talk to somebody on Instagram and really trying to force that person to come in, you know, it won't be as high as 75%. It'll probably be around 40%. But mm -hmm. it, when someone reaches out to us, it's pretty much already sold. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty typical. Usually when somebody reaches out to us, they are looking for, you know, they're looking for a transformation. They're looking for results. So like at that point, all we have to do is just kind of present our service that we already know that, you know, we're convicted in it. Um, they will definitely like, you know, buy into that because it's a, it's a good product. So um, with that being said, you know, you're kind of doing, you know, the word of mouth thing is the primary way you're growing your business. Are you guys actively looking to welcome in new faces? Have you maxed out? Like, what does that look like? Well, going back to this whole COVID uh, puzzle. So recently me and my partner, Gene Dos Santos, uh, who opened the gym with me, that's the person that I worked with at the big box gym. You know, we had to sit back and try to really uh, figure out, you know, what we're going to do moving forward. And we find that we, our current client flow is pretty much ideal at this point. If we add new clients, there's going to be some clients that are turned off because we're getting a little bit too crowded. Uh, and some of those clients are great clients who've been with us for a long, long time. And they, they have endless value as far as, you know, until they move they could be training with us till they're 70, 80 years old versus someone who may just come in as we reach out to, you know, Instagram advertising or Facebook paid advertising, getting a lot of first workouts in, we may just get overly crowded and we wouldn't want to lose our uh, long-term lifelong clients. At that of course. Point. Of course. Yeah. I get what you're, I get what you're saying there. Um, and, you know, we want to keep those clients that have been with us for a long time. We also want to be able to, you know, help. I feel like most of us get into this industry because we want to help as many people as possible. So, like, how can you do that while also still taking care of your current members? Um, so, next question I have for you, because, Ali, I think that this is where our listeners can pull a lot of value from, okay. is the topic of us talking about challenges and bottlenecks. So, like, what would you say is the biggest bottleneck or challenge, you know, what's that one thing that's kind of holding you back right now within the business? You know, if you don't clear it out of the way in the future, it might hold you guys back a little bit. Again, like a uh, square footage in space is a little bit of a bottleneck. Also, you know, we're, we have some busy periods of times where it gets a little bit busy, but we've really handled that pretty well. We, we work with all the trainers on spacing, exercise selection, uh, if the gym is crowded, something as simple as using dumbbell overpresses versus a barbell overpress uh, creates a lot of square footage. 
So we're trying to optimize that as, as much as possible. Uh, price increases, we started that two years ago when we saw inflation coming. This way, it wasn't much of a shock to the clients coming forward this year. Uh, going back in the past, we really had kept our prices pretty uh, stagnant because we, we kept gr growing as far as scaling, having multiple clients at the same time. So they, they seem not to like, well, we're not raising your prices. You're just sharing time. That kind of worked well for them. Uh, but now with prices going where they're going, no one seem, they, they also seem to be okay with you know, small increases, nothing crazy, but 10% increases, 5% increases here and there. But as far as the challenges, the other challenge ultimately be multiple locations. You know, that's really going to be a big challenge in, in hiring talent as far as get, getting new trainers who are going to be at that upper tier level where they'll be full-time trainers and handling uh, a good number of sessions a week, I would say upwards of 50 sessions a week to 60 sessions a week, being that we do overlap our sessions. Yeah, I got, I got that. So, you know, you kind of just brought up the idea that you want to multiply, you want multiple locations. So what has to happen, Allie, for you to get to the point where you have multiple locations? Like business-wise, what do you have to do now to set yourself up for that in the future? Well, I think that that's a tough question. And, you know, we, we've looked at multiple locations uh, multiple times. Uh, we've, we, when we've got our location now, we're very lucky that we have a three car parking deck. And at a given time, if we have eight trainers and 14 clients, we have 22, you know, cars in the parking lot at that moment. Uh, and we're in a large building, so there, there could be 150 cars in the parking lot, but that seems to really help. And real estate in New Jersey is not cheap. And the question is, if we do expand to multiple locations, how much work is it going to require versus what's the reward? Or are we better off just adding more square footage in here and then really opening up the advertisements and the push to get more clients and as well as recruiting more talent to train them? So that, that's our crossroads right now. Uh, but with where we're at now, we're looking towards more space. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, it sounds like what you've done so far, you've been pretty successful with. So like in terms of, you know, how can we multiply that? And like you said, the real estate market right now is a little bit, you know, crazy, a little bit tricky. Um, so, you know, when the time comes for you to move over there, it will be interesting to see how that all kind of pans out. Um, final question I have for you, Allie, is where can our listeners go to find you guys online so they can check all you have to offer? I think to find this best would just be Chaos Fitness at, you know, on Instagram, uh, okay. spelled K-A-E-O-S, fitness. And our website is just five letters, chaos, K-A-E-O-S dot com. And you'll just see on that page, that's just the capture sheet. We find that's very useful, straightforward. Most people aren't going to be looking at a website to find too much information. We find out more of it's going to be on social media and to have your social on there as well as capturing the information right away where they could book their appointment and let them know it's free. Then we contact them, we get them in and then we sell them hopefully. 
Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for, for sharing that little tidbit with us. Um, you know, you shared your Instagram, but then you also shared a little piece of advice that people can take with them. So I appreciate it. Thank um, so thank you for being here today, Allie. And for our listeners, thank you guys as well. If you want to get notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. And if you would like to join us for an episode here at the Gym Lords podcast, go ahead and fill out the link in the description and our team will be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.